All right, well, good morning and welcome once again to another installment. Good to have y'all here. And uh, so we've been talking about our, ourselves improvements and and we're expanding on that and looking how also we work to, together as a unit, as a church, and how we are to deal with the things that are involved with that. And uh, we were talking about some of the different things that we endure last week and some of the things that we should avoid and we're going to keep working on that as well and you know one thing that we tend to do is that we we divide ourselves we want to look and see how we can say that i'm better i'm better at you because of this i'm better at you because of this and then we want to also look back and say oh you do that well that makes you worse and that makes you worse. And we're always trying to put these divisions between us. And we see now that that's one of, of Satan's big ploy that he's doing in the world today is he's trying to divide. He's trying to divide the nation. He's trying to divide individuals. He's trying to break up families. He's trying to divide because of why? Because that is the exact opposite of what God wants. God wants us to come together. We are his sons and daughters. We are all brothers and sisters. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are one body working together. That is what God says. But Satan wants to drive us in an opposite direction. So uh, one of the things we were talking about is how we receive teaching. And sometimes these teachings don't give us all of the information that we need. So when we find ourselves in a time of a, of a trial, we don't have the necessary skills we need to fall back on to be able to move forward, to seek God and push our way through. Now, here's an example. I've told you many times I like to listen to a lot of different information. I like to listen to different preachers and pastors. And there was one I was, I was following pretty closely uh, I like this technique. I like the style. It was a little, little different, a little edgy, and a um, little, little down the earth. You know, it's kind of, kind of some of the things you might re reflect in, in my style. That's you know a little different. And so, I've always been a fan. And then we got to a point where, back in 2019, there was kind of this umbrella of a subject that kind of got tacked on to to everything. And he started talking about how the, the, the following year was going to be grand. It was going to be a, a banner year, a year of jubilee, the year of the double portion, that all of these great things was going to happen in this following year. Well, of course, that got my attention because when something's going to happen, I want to know why. I want to know how. Because, you know, maybe I didn't receive the memo from God when he was handing out preaching orders that week, and I want to make sure I didn't miss something that I need to be passing along. And of course, if there's great gifts to be received from God, I want to get my portion too, just like everyone else. So I want to know what's going on. And it's like every week we had, our, we had the message, and we'd listen to the message, and then we'd, we'd talk about how things were going to be so much better next year, so much better next year. And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting, but I never got what I was looking for was the how the why, and the what. And then, 
what happened? 2020, the calendar turned over. And a few months into it, things went pretty bad. We had this pandemic that most of us has never had to go through anything like that before. And we've seen that places were being locked down. People were losing their jobs. That We had shortages of things we never would thought there would be shortages of. We were having all kinds of problems. So what happens is, is that we have all these people that's been waiting for this grand banner year, this year of abundance and how we're going to receive all these things, and yet we didn't get it. So if you're a, a young Christian, if you're a, a new Christian, if you're not strong in the faith and you've not yet to, to diverse yourself and you've not immersed yourself in your own self-study and you don't have that deep personal connection with God to see that maybe something wasn't right there along the way, what kind of conclusion might you come out with? Perhaps that God has let us down. That we have someone that's standing up there representing God and is telling us all these things that's going to happen and then they don't happen. And who do we blame? We either blame God or we think it's all a sham. And we lose faith in religion. We lose faith in God. We lose faith before we ever really get started or give it a chance because we don't have a, a strong foundation and we've took off and ran with something that really has no basis to it. And don't get me wrong, it's not always that it's a situation where someone is trying to be critical. They're not trying to, to scam anyone. They're not trying to pr produce any kind of result. Sometimes we just want to make people feel good. And it's a difficult choice that you have to make when you're going to stand up here week after week and decide what to talk about because it seems like that I find myself talking about a lot of the, the hardships that we have to endure. And that's not real aesthetically pleasing for the masses because we want to hear about the hope. We want to hear about the love. We want to hear about all the things that make us feel good. And, of course, at any point, I could get up here and I could start preaching into a frenzy and get everyone laughing and, and hollering and hey-minning and all these kind of things on there and make us feel good. But the problem is you're only driving the feelings, and that's temporarily. Because that's not going to do you any good because that feeling is going to wane after a bit. And without any real substance to go back and cling to, that, there's going to be nothing left when you really need something strong to hold on to, to keep your face. You know, it's like if you're hungry, you could eat a piece of candy, and that's going to satisfy you for a little bit. But if you eat some protein, if you eat 
a piece of a jerky, that's going to sustain you much longer. And that's the difference between just getting a little bit of feel good of the word or getting some substance in the word. Now, we're about eight minutes in, so I think it's about time to stop and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Father, to get into your word today. We ask you, Father, to take myself out of the way. Let your true message shine through and open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So we're talking about, about unity. Let's look at uh, Matthew 16 and 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whosoever save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake may find it. Now we're talking about how we're alike. And one way that we probably never realized that we all have share something in common, other than being brothers and sisters and made in the image of our Creator. We all share sorrow. This is something that, as we go through this world, that we all are going to experience. And there are different reasons that we do so. One is following Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary the devil, the roaring lion, walketh about seeking whoever he may devour. Whoever resists steadfast in faith, knowing that the same affections are accomplished in the brethren that are in the world. We have Satan that wants to cause interference in our lives. He wants to cause us sorrow. He doesn't like us. He doesn't like what we represent. He doesn't like because we are favored by God, that we are his creation, that he loves us. Luke 6 and 22. Blessed ye that the men shall hate you, for when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name and evil for the Son of Man's sake. There are going to be people, unbelievers, that will want to cause us sorrow. And I'm sure if you've been in this world any length of time, you've already encountered many of these. And then Genesis 3, 16 and 19 Unto the woman, I said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be of thy husband, and she shall rule over thee. And to Adam he said, Because of thou hast hearkened unto thy voice of thy wife, thou hast eaten of the tree for which I commanded, saying, Thou shalt eat of curses to the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. We live in a cursed world. 
And I think sometimes we forget because that happened so long ago that it's all the way in the very beginning of the Word of God, and you know all the all the good stuffs in the in the towards the back. You know we like all the all the we like the Jesus part of it. We don't want to forget about all this early stuff here, but we are still just as much under this curse today as we were when it was first laid down upon us. So just for us being here, being part of this world, we are going to experience sorrow as part of the curse. And then finally, the, the last thing is uh, we mentioned a little bit last week is that we also have the cause and effect, the sowing and reaping of what we do. If we do certain things that go against the word of God, that can bring sorrow upon ourselves because of our actions. God tells us to do certain things and not do certain things. And if we fall outside those guidelines, that opens the doors for sorrow to take place in our lives. We all experience it. Now, you might say, well, there's people that I see that seems like they never have any kind of troubles. And we need to stop this illusion. Because, let me ask you, is there anything in your life that you're, you're not proud of? Things that you wish you had done differently, things that you are that you're ashamed of, that you, you don't want to be made known public. I'm sure we all have these things. And when we have things like that, what do we do? We keep them tucked away. When we, if you're just going to send out personalized Christmas cards, you're going to take a family photo, what do you do? You take a couple shots of them and you pick the very best one and that's the one that you send out the one that makes everyone looks the best you want to make sure everybody's looking forward you want to make sure everybody's eyes are open nobody's got a goofy expression on their face that you want to have the absolute best that's why we we dress up when we take our photos because we want to put on a, a good show if you notice now all of these little social media apps all have all these kind of filters. And what do they do? They make you look better. And it's really amazing how much they can change the identity of a person by these digital manipulations. And uh, there's been, been celebrities that went to great lengths to have photos scrubbed from the internet not because of anything scandalous just for the simple fact that they were not touched up they had not been handled by a professional to take away all of the imperfections and the the small details that they don't want the world to see see we only put forth what we want the world to see we only present 
the good side. We do this in every aspect. If you're trying to, to sell your car online, you take the pictures at just the right angle. You might want to avoid a small little scratch or, your, or a little chip. So you, you take it where the sun hits it just right, where it looks its best, where the, it's shining and pretty. You make sure it's all nice and clean. And we get the, the best side forward. But we all share this. And even, even when it looks like that someone has it all, they still may be suffering from something that we don't see, that they don't let us know. Because they don't... We see sorrow and suffering as, as a weakness. We have this idea that we have to be this image has to be put forward that we are, are great and grand. So if we are struggling with something, oftentimes we don't want that to show. If you have to go get some kind of professional help, if you're talking to a therapist, for example, that may be something that you don't want not want to be made known because... Some people may see that as a, a sign of weakness. We want people to look at us and see us in our filtered state through the edited lenses of the camera. And we don't want them to let them know that we have imperfections. Many of children have gone without the help they've needed because to, to get that help would show that the family structure that the parents want to produce for the world may not be the idea that they have. So they forego that to make it look like everything is just so and just perfect in the eyes of the world. But we all have sorrow. At some point, we are all going to face some kind of a loss, loss of relationship, loss of life, loss of a loved one, loss of finances. We're not imperitable to sickness. The most richest, the most famous, the people that have everything still cannot overcome things of this world like sickness, cancer, disease. Depression. Look how many great actors, actresses, musical talents that we've had that had the talent, the riches, the fame, but yet they lay it all down and choose suicide because there's something that is gnawing at them that's not made known to the public world. We all face sorrow. So when we are encountering the new, we 
tend to look at what we can find out. And we want to put people down. We want to push them back. But just like our sin, our sorrow is no different. We all sin. We all have sorrow. We all have situations. And the thing is, we never know how or why a person ends up in any situation. And God tells us not to judge. We are not qualified to do so. And we are no better than anyone else to do so. So Let's start looking at some of our different ways that we experience sorrow. Well, first, why is it so important that we understand about the sorrows of this world? I've heard time after time after time, how can a loving God allow us to go through these things? How can a loving God send people to hell? How can a loving God do this? And if you're asking these questions, you do not understand our loving God. But that's where we have to teach and that's where we have to learn. Because we have to, first and foremost, before we can do anything else, have to understand that God does love us. And if we are questioning God's love, then we are at a divide right there. We can't go forward and do anything else if we do not realize that God loves us. So we have to shatter all doubt when it comes to God's love. We have to put our full faith forward and receive totally and completely from God. And that's the starting point. And that's also a big part of what sorrow is all about. We'll look at the, the last one we talked about, which is probably the easiest one to talk about, is our choices. And we can look at, we can look at Adam. We can look at Eve. They made a choice. God said, do not partake of this. Everything else is fine. Leave this one alone. And they first made a choice to listen to Satan, listen to the lies, believe the lies. They made a choice to abandon their teachings, abandon their truths, to seek the unknown, to seek what seemed to be better. And then they brought on the fall. Something had to happen because there was consequence. And then now, sorrow comes into play because of consequences. If you become hooked on a substance... Let's say an illegal substance, a drug. 
we pretty much all know deep down at any stage that that's not a wise choice to make. They tell us coming up through school to not use drugs. Remember, there used to be all those commercials all the time about drug use and all those kind of things. They tell us it's bad. But then when we still make the choice to do so, and the choice becomes again and again, for it becomes a addiction. And what we're doing here is we're feeding an addiction. We're harming our, our body. We're not seeking after the right thing. Because what we're doing is we're escaping reality. We're finding, trying to find a substitute for the one thing that we're missing, which is Jesus, which is God, which is the, the one thing that should be bringing us through any situation. And life is hard. The world is hard. So we oftentimes turn to other aspects of it to help to see us through when we're not using our true source. That's our sin. So to overcome that, there's a lot of steps that's going to take place. We have to get it out of our system. We have to detox. We have to overcome the temptation to want to do it again. Then there's a constant battle to continue fighting that temptation over and over again. Because once it's there, it's always there. And we have to overcome it. That's our, our sorrow because it's difficult. It's difficult physically, it's difficult emotionally, it's difficult mentally. And it's all because of the, the choice that we made, because of the, of the sin. Sin and sorrow come together. We see that people in the Bible, they made choices. And that because of their choices, they experienced sorrow. King Saul, he was a God-chosen man. He was made king. He had his kingdom. And by his choice, he decided to go against what God was saying, what God was telling him to do. And he lost his kingdom because of it. That was his sorrow, his sin, not listening, his sorrow, losing his kingdom. And we have all of us experience this in our life. But fortunately for us, we have Jesus that's there that allows us to repent, that he forgives us when we're covered by his blood. So we're forgiven for it. We can ask for that. We can receive it. And also that he will see us through. And perhaps why would, why would God do such a thing? Why would God just make it so difficult? You know, when things are difficult, 
You don't want to do it again. You don't want to do it again. You don't want to experience the pain. You don't want to go through the sorrow. The sorrow is a reminder. It's a lesson to prevent the sin. And we also have to remember that God gives us the choice. So many times we want it both ways. We want to be able to do whatever we want to do. We have no bounds. That's why so many people shy away from following Jesus. Because that involves us having some accountability for ourselves. That involves us making some difficult choices and having to give up on some things that we perceive as fun and good ideas and good times. We have to give up some of those things and walk the straight and narrow because that's what Jesus tells us to do. We have to follow God's commandments. And a lot of us are just not ready for that yet. We just want to be able to do our own thing. But at the same time, when things go too far, when that sorrow is on the, the cusp of overtaking us, there's a big wave there and it's about to wash over us, we want God to come in and whisp us up and save the day and save us from it. We can't have it both ways. Sometimes I wonder if it wouldn't be better if we just, if God was in total control of us and just had us do every little thing we needed to do and just took this free will out of the way. But then faith would be obsolete. So we see, there's a system for everything. God has a plan. God has a purpose. So when we start thinking that, well, why? Why this? And it's not there for God's amusement. We're not some ant farm that God is playing with. We are his sons and daughters. He loves us. He wants to teach us. And I was, I was thinking about this, this lesson for this week and, and just thinking about, you know, how this, this time here works. And it's, it's so temporary, our time here. It's so short. And the things that drive people. You know, we're so driven by, by things. We want to have our status. We want to have our, our, our power. We want to have our titles. And then we want to have our wealth. And we want to build this whole collection of things. And these things that we hold so dear to us that are so important to us. And there's things right now that we can see there's so much evil in the world. And the reason is because of these pursuit of these things. But you know what? None of these things we can take with us. When we leave this world, our titles are going to stay here. They mean nothing in heaven. Nobody cares in heaven if you was a senator or a sanitation worker. It doesn't matter. Our big house, our little shack, no matter what it is, it stays here. You're never going to see a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. We can't take nothing with us. The money stays in the bank account. 
The treasures stay buried. You know, the only thing that we do take with us is the things that we seem to care the, little, the least about. It's the things that develop us. It's how we behave. It's how we react. It's how we treat others. And it just shows you how really we have it so messed up. So confused. This world is so temporarily. Betty White almost made it to 100. 99 years. And that's pretty astronomical. Because many of us are never going to make it to triple digits. That's really something unique. And when you think about the course of 60, 70, 80, 90 years, that's not anything when we look at eternity. Eternity. That's everything else. Eternity. That's what we're working towards. We're trying to build everything in these few years we have on earth. And the real building program should be about the eternity. Because the only thing that we can take with us is what we develop as ourselves here. You know, it, it shows you that people really don't believe. Because if these people were so concerned about about status and about wealth. The word says that Jesus is going to come back with his rewards in his hands. And it also says that we're going to stand before a great throne of judgment. Now the same people that are willing to lie, steal, and cheat, are not willing to do anything to secure anything in heaven. In fact, many won't even be there at all because it doesn't seem important. And I wonder... You know, there's always conspiracy theories and there's a, a list of, of people that maybe have sold their soul for fame and fortune. And I wonder, you know, could it be? When we see how people act and what they're willing to do just for a few of these earthly possessions, would they in fact trade their everlasting soul? For these few years we have here on earth. To be able to, to do what they truly want to do. If I asked you that today. What's your price? Could you. For X amount of money. For a certain position. For a certain amount of fame. Could you blot God out of your life? 
I hear people talk about how they don't believe. And I see that lack of belief is on the rise each and every day. That each and every generation, less and less people believe in God. Church becomes less and less. And it's on the rise now each and every month. We were talking about that earlier today that even though people didn't want to partake, they didn't want to be a part of it, they at least still respected it. That church was respected, that God was respected, even though if you didn't want to be a part of it, it was something that you left alone and left the people alone that wanted to partake. But now the respect is gone. And our churches are under attack. They're victims of vandalism. They're victims of political attack. They're victims of being shut down and destroyed because there's no respect for it anymore. There's no love for God anymore. And the few that believe, that have faith, don't have the courage to stand up. Don't have the courage to fight. Don't have the courage to hold the name of God up high. We're worried about what sorrow it will bring. Following Jesus has a price. And we'll look at that more next week. Being a follower has a price. But you know what? Also, not following God has a price. The question is, which one are you wanting to pay? Because one or the other has to be paid.